When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey y'all, this is Megan and Stacy. This week in lieu of a what we're cooking and eating now, we are going to reheat an episode from 2019 all about how to store your leftovers safely, how to reheat them. We feel like that will be a lot more useful right now as everyone is deep in holiday cooking, whether you're in the US celebrating Thanksgiving this week or you have other holidays coming up. We hope this episode will be useful. And after you listen, if you need more recipe or meal planning ideas, be sure to hit up our community. You can find that free community board by going to didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. Sign up there. And of course, if you have the wherewithal or if you want to give us a holiday gift, (laughs) we'll take it. You can find out about our supporting membership options as well. It's all right there for you. Enjoy. We're going to tell you literally how to store your leftovers <laughs> so that they're safe and you can keep using them, how long you should use them. This is going to be chock full of info. So people get your notebooks out. And I just want to say, we think of it as like, oh, everyone knows that, but actually not everyone knows that. Like no, this yeah. is information that like if your parents weren't like great home cooks or they didn't cook a lot at home or you don't cook if you're just like jumping in now that you have a family and you're trying to figure out all the things about cooking at home, it can be real questionable. I mean, I have um, sister-in-laws, cousins, and and even my own mom who texts me sometime and, and they're like, I've had this in the fridge for ha- this many days. Like, is it still good? Um, which I'm all, my first, <laughs> my first answer is always like, well, how does it smell? How does it look? Totally. Like, there's some obvious stuff. Totally. If you don't know, rice is a big watch out because it can look like it's fine and actually not be. And there's some other little things like that that we'll get into too. So Stacy, how do you deal with leftovers at home? Um, so it's funny because I actually don't love eating leftovers. So for me, I try to also, I'm feeding three like dudes. You know, Mike is six four. Like, how much? How much leftovers yeah, do you actually have? It's true. In fact, like right now, the the problem for me is I have to remember to cook more than I'm used to cooking because um, they're still hungry after dinner. But I do try to like use that to my advantage. That if they're done and there's a bunch of leftovers and it's like a salad that's already dressed, it's like, well, like, don't you want to just finish the salad? Someone in my house will always say yes. Yes. (laughs) If you say, don't you just want to finish the dot, 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 someone's going to say yes. Mostly Mike, but (laughs) that's what it is. You can count on Mike. Yes. You can count on Mike to eat. You can. So I try to like have protein left over because I think that's really easy to repurpose or like the rice, the quinoa, the like stuffing, whatever it is. But I think it's really more about making sure that you pack the leftovers correctly and that you then organize the fridge in a way that 
the oldest leftovers that you need to use up are up front. And you have a system that basically you want to see what's left over. Otherwise, like it goes in the fridge to die. Yes. We, in the restaurant biz, they call that FIFO, first in, first out. Yes. So anytime you're putting something new, whether it's leftovers or it's the next carton of milk or whatever, you're putting it behind what's already in there. So you're using up what's there first. Exactly. Yes. Um, How about you? Um, I'm in the same boat. I don't love leftovers. I'm always game to repurpose leftovers. Um, But since I've been working from home the last couple of years, I will try to do one meal in bulk, like something on Sunday or like a crock pot soup over the weekend so that I have something that's easy to reheat for lunches in the microwave. And otherwise, we pretty much like pack lunchovers. Yes, yes, that's what we do. We pack yes. lunchovers. <laughs> I do that too, actually. That's a great point. <laughs> Leftovers for lunch. I have been long very militant about labeling the leftovers too, mostly because my husband will go into the fridge and be like, there's nothing to eat because he doesn't know what's in containers. Oh, even though, yeah. Reminder, yes. they're glass and plastic that you can see through. <laughs> Yeah. And this is actually, this is a really great, there was also in our listeners group, a thread about older kids. Yeah. You know, your tweens, your teens who are going in the fridge and like rummaging, looking for something to shove in their face. (laughs) Also like eating the ingredients that you need for cooking. Yes. Like meal prep and meal plan stuff. But what I think it really is, is about like, I recognize what this is. Like, I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. And leftovers, if you don't label them, you're right. They're very susceptible to being that, like, uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah. So for a long time, I used freezer tape and a Sharpie on containers to label them. But I, I shared this a while back that I'm really in love with a wet erase marker right now. Yes, you did. Yeah, which works like a dry erase marker, except for you just like wash it off in the sink when you would do dishes or in the dishwasher instead of like having to peel off tape or a dry erase marker smudges really easily. And this doesn't. Um, and that's been really great for putting away leftovers and having them be labeled right away. So it's clear what they are. That is very smart. Yes. I want to say I am not, I don't do cleanup at my house, like after dinner cleanup. Neither do I. Because my husband does cleanup. And so we get into this great debate about when the leftovers should go into the fridge because Brian has somehow gotten it and it is gotten it in his head. And I, I don't think he's the only one that um, putting hot leftovers in the fridge means that they stay in the temperature danger zone, which is like 40 degrees to 140 degrees yep. where bacteria can grow for too long if you put them in the fridge first. So he generally like he likes to let things cool and then stick them in the fridge. And we disagree about this. Like, so, I, I think it depends so on the mass of something. This I'm is my... so excited you brought this up. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm so, so excited. <laughs> You're because so excited about leftovers. I love I it. I am. <laughs> because I also was taught what Brian was taught. Yeah. And I actually did a little research okay. before this episode because I was like, is that really true? And it turns out it's not. And I really... It wasn't even that I cared about whether it was true or not as much as I wanted to know what did, like, the government say? What did the USDA say about this in terms of food safety? And they say that modern refrigerators can handle it. The key is 
that you want to leave, you want to pack your leftovers in airtight containers. Mm -hmm. But if you're packing hot leftovers, it's actually good that they're going to go in the fridge because that's going to bring the temperature down to the safe zone faster. But there needs to be air in the container, in the Ziploc bag and whatever you're doing it. So you want it to be airtight, but you want to leave a gap so that cool air can circulate within the container as the food is dropping in temperature. Well, I'm so good at this and I didn't even know it. Yes. (laughs) I know it. You're good at everything. There you go. I'm just joking. I'm actually really bad at the spatial part of putting leftovers away. So I always end up with like a small amount of something in like a giant container. Oh my God. Me too. (laughs) Or I'm trying to pack like three servings into like a one serving container. I do that all the time. And Mike is really good at it. And that's the one way I try to help with cleanup. Like if there's a big cleanup, I'll do like, I'll pack up the leftovers just because that doesn't feel like cleanup to me. And he'll be like, that isn't going to work. Like I can hear him under his breath. It's not the right container. That's definitely not going to work. And I'm so stubborn that I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Like move aside. And he's a hot, he's right. A hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Don't you hate that? Yeah. Well, you know, he's got to be right at something. Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I feel like we covered the basics of putting stuff in the fridge, but what if you're going to take leftovers from dinner and put them in the freezer? Is it the same thing? Like, do you want to cool them in the fridge first or can you pop them right in the freezer? No, you can pop them right in. You just need to leave that air because they're going to go through the refrigerator temperature as it drops, drops, drops into the freezer zone. Yeah. And that headspace is especially important if you're freezing soups or stock and you're doing it in any kind of glass container, especially like mason jars. There was this Reddit thread I read recently where someone like made all this beautiful bone broth and stuck it in glass mason jars and didn't leave headspace and all the jars shattered in their freezer. So sad. Lost so so much food. Anyways, you were going to share more info with us. Yeah. So, and when it comes to freezing... I think in a little bit, we should talk about thawing because that's actually a really important factor too when it comes to food safety. Right. Because you want the temperature, again, it's that zone that you talked about, that 40 to 140 degrees Fahrenheit, whether you're dropping the temperature or bringing the temperature back up, like that's the zone where bacteria is most easily fostered. 2024 is the year we're focused on finally reducing dinnertime overwhelm at Didn't I Just Feed You? And that means making grocery shopping easier and more cost-effective, especially when it comes to the foods we all tend to spend the most on, like meat. Enter ButcherBox, where you can count on incredible deals on premium cuts. At ButcherBox, you can choose a curated box or customize your order of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, to stock your fridge with all the proteins you need for the week, month, or even the year at prices that are hard to come by at the grocery store. That's all your protein shopped for in one shot at great prices delivered to your door with free shipping. Just one change, switching over to ButcherBox, and you guarantee yourself fewer trips to the grocery store and savings that are hard to find at the supermarket. Dinnertime overwhelm be gone. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. 
Sign up today at butcherbox.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y and use the code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You, to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for dinner and I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. You want to talk to us about thawing. I don't know why that sounds so exciting. I do. And it's actually just really easy. I mean, I think that if you can plan ahead, thawing in the refrigerator is really the safest and best way. It preserves flavor better. Like it just, it helps. textures Exactly. Yeah. So that's also what's safest. But if you want to just leave something on the counter, the best thing to do is to put your container where the food is frozen in it that's still sealed and put it in a cold water bath. Yes. Because that will help regulate the temperature. And again, it does that air circulation or temperature circulation where it's pulling out the like super cold from the freezer into the water. So the water will get colder and then you change out the water every, I think they say like every 30 minutes, but even if you did it every hour, it would keep your, your food, your frozen food while it's thawing in a safe temperature zone. Yes. Yes. And then also the microwave is a great place to thaw. It's not as great for flavor and texture, but again, you're going to go from frozen, which is safe, to over 140 degrees, which is safe, without hanging out in that that bad zone where bacteria grows. Exactly. And actually, when you reheat, I read that you want to reheat to 165. So yeah. that's, that's one of those hard ones. I think we should talk about this a little bit because like a lot of the internal temperatures that the FDA recommends and reheating for leftovers, that 165, like, do you sometimes feel like that can ruin the texture or flavor of food? Yeah. So, I mean... Uh, this is where I want to talk <laughs> as a cook, but I know people are listening yes. to us as experts and taking our advice. So I do like when it, if it's a soup, if it's a gravy, if it's a stew, um, anything like that, like no getting brainer. it super Get hot it to 165. Yeah. Yes. I mean, 165 for those things you can think of as a rolling boil. Yeah. And like, That's fine. Like, that works for me. I think the only place where it's really tricky, and actually it's not even just tricky for reheating, it's tricky (laughs) 
just for cooking in general, like yeah. the temps for red meat and pork and chicken, I think are a little high. Yeah. I actually addressed this in my uh, chicken cookbook that's going to be coming out in spring because I had this whole back and forth with my publisher about like, I'm writing the recipe so that this turns out delicious. I definitely recommend for, and we've talked about this before, for poultry, for pork especially, use a thermometer. It takes the guesswork out. And when you get it to that right temp, it's going to be juicy and delicious. It makes a huge difference. Even just five degrees higher can mean the difference between a pork tenderloin that's juicy and delicious and one that's dry and tough. So get your temp. Then the question becomes, what is the safe temp? And for chicken, I think it's slightly lower than what the USDA recommends. So but I, I think kind this of address is a good that. place to talk about like where you're sourcing your food from also makes a big yes, difference. Totally. And I want to add because I have a friend who is a big germaphobe and a, a big food safety, like she's afraid of getting sick from food because she's had terrible experiences oh, in the yes, past. Of course. And so one of the things that I've we've found together is like the stuff that would could be like dried out from reheating in the microwave to 165. Anything that you can add moisture to when you're reheating it, you can save some of the flavor and the moisture and still get it to that safe temp. So even though we're kind of saying like, yeah, I don't always get everything to 165 when I'm reheating leftovers for myself to eat. Yep. There are ways that you can do that and should do that per the FDA's recommendations because we're home cooking experts. We're not food safety experts. Correct. Yes. The one little note I will put on that is if you do have gravy soup stews, don't reheat in the slow cooker because the slow cooker takes so long to get to temperature that you're going to, your food is going to sit in that 40 to 140 danger zone way too long. Yeah. Way, way, way too long. Yeah. So (laughs) um, let's talk about like packing stuff up. Okay. All right. So I think that this is probably more relevant in everyday cooking because for Thanksgiving, everybody's going to have already like portioned things out and have, you know, like slice the turkey. Yeah. But in general, you don't want your food to be sitting out for more than two hours. Yep. That's that. That's where you get into that temperature danger yeah. zone. And you want to make sure that you're using like smaller containers and that everything's like cut up smaller. If you have a huge pot of soup, you want to actually in an ideal world, divide it up into smaller containers because what that does is it helps the food get out of that danger zone temp bracket faster. You know, for a huge pot of soup to get out of that danger zone is going to take forever to cool, but a Ziploc with one quart won't take nearly as long. Yeah. And that's the thing. You don't have to break that soup into like single cup servings and try and figure out how to store all of that in your fridge or freezer. But taking it from like a gallon of soup into four quart containers is going to make your like organizational life easier and your food safer. Totes my goats. (laughs) 
I feel like we covered it. Oh my, I feel like we did a lot. Do what else? I know. I think we should have a lightning round where we talk specifically about Thanksgiving leftovers because that's yeah. happening for everyone this yes. week. Let's and do it. There, it's so funny because this is where I'm going to sh- like overshare in the world of of food editors, where like people don't like to have leftovers. There's a lot of Googling that happens on Thursday and Friday of this week of like, what am I going to do with all this turkey? Or like, what do I do with my turkey carcass? How do I use up leftover mashed potatoes? Like it's a real problem for people. I say I don't like leftovers, but Thanksgiving leftovers are some of my favorites because I think there are so many great things that I only get to eat once or twice a year that happened on Thanksgiving. Right? It's so funny because I don't, I actually get a little bit annoyed, even though I'm totally guilty of offering them up. Some of those like gimmicky leftover, (laughs) Thanksgiving leftover recipes, like break out your waffle iron. I'm like, why would I do that when I could just eat this this again? And eat with it some with gravy, gravy on it. Yeah, maybe I'm going to put it on white bread and totally. enjoy a delicious sandwich. Totally. Yes. I like I don't get it. But <laughs> but I think we can have a really fun lightning round right now and talk about like just fun. Like the waffle iron is so fun for um stuffing to like reheat stuffing in a waffle iron and get it crispy and then take some of that reheated turkey and gravy or turkey and cranberry sauce and put it on top is so fun especially if you have like guests in your house because you had family come in for the holiday so that that like you mentioning that was great what are other some of your other favorite leftovers with all the the thanksgiving well the thing that i do and i do this with leftover roast chicken too that sometimes like a day or two, I don't know, did we mention that you should really be eating your leftovers within three to four days? Yes. Yes. You didn't, but now you just did. Okay. So we did. (laughs) So like by day three or four, sometimes just to me, I think it's my taste buds. Like I'm like, uh, like I don't want plain turkey or plain poultry anymore. Like even with the gravy, I'm like, I'm done. I can eat stuffing leftovers with gravy and cranberry sauce on the side for like weeks. But so I like to make quick pot pie. Yes. So using puff pastry, which we've said in many episodes is one of our favorite shortcuts, always in the freezer. Yep. You know, and you just like frozen vegetables, like make a quick roux, you add some cream or milk, a combo. Yeah, and then or even you just, that leftover gravy if you've got it. Yeah. yeah. And then like just put it in a baking dish and roll that thawed puff pastry over the top. Brilliant. And you can make a full-size one or you could make individual ones and ramekins. So good. If you want to get fancy. Um, I also like making like a leftover turkey soup. Yes. I think you kind of have to do that because if you cooked a turkey, you've got that turkey carcass yep. and you should 100% be turning that into turkey stock to have soup and to stick in your freezer. It's like the very best thing that you can do with your leftover turkey body. Carcass is such a weird word to say on a food podcast. What is the turkey carcass? The t- carcass. The tur- carcass, carcass is just weird. all those bones <laughs> and skin and stuff that are left over, um, you can make it in the Instant Pot. You can make it in the slow cooker. It's really easy to make. And then you have turkey stock 
for the rest of the season. And it's also great for reheating your leftovers too. So I usually make turkey stock like on Thanksgiving day. I just throw that bad boy in the, the instant pot, cover it with water. You do have to kind of break it up, break up the bones a little bit to get it to fit in there. Whatever rogue veggies are laying around and then, um, just cook it under pressure for like 90 minutes and let it natural release for even longer. Like that's all happening while we're eating dessert, while we're like going for our after Thanksgiving meal walk and all of that stuff. So it's pretty hands off until the end of the night. And then when it comes to the soup, my stepmother used to always make cream of turkey soup, which is so delicious. But now I'm like, that is so rich. And after having eaten a big Thanksgiving meal, what I've started doing is doing a version of avgolemono, which is yes. the Greek lemon, and I put orzo in there because I feel like that gives me lemon is just like a bright palate cleansing flavor, and I don't mean just like in the moment. I mean like over the course of the day, like oh, all those rich flavors behind me, <laughs> and now yeah. I have this like bright lemony soup that has a totally different flavor profile. And that's thickened with eggs, so it's not as, like, calorie-dense, but it's also very filling. It's just, like, a super comforting food. Oh, it's the best. Yes. What do you do? What are your favorite? I mean, I'm, I love the tur- ubiquitous turkey sandwich with cranberry sauce spread on the bread and, like, mashed potatoes in there and stuffing. We do some version of that where it's more like a panini, a pressed sandwich that's uh-huh. nice and warm. Um, for the kitchen years ago, I wrote a lasagna, like a lasagna recipe. That's oh. all the flavors of Thanksgiving with the turkey and the gravy and the sweet potatoes, like all layered in there. It's really fun. I haven't actually made that in a long time. <laughs> Sounds um, delicious. Also, when we did Thanksgiving in Georgia, which would be with all of my husband's family, I asked everyone, just like bring your Tupperware to the house. Let's have no shame in our Thanksgiving game. You bring your containers to my house and I will send you home with leftover dressing and turkey and all that stuff. Um, And that actually just helped a ton because otherwise my little family of four couldn't have eaten through the leftovers we needed to within that three to four day window. Wait till your kids are older. <laughs> Last year, I didn't, right? Like, I don't remember. It wasn't Thanksgiving. Maybe it was Thanksgiving because we were local. We didn't go to New Orleans last yeah. year. Either way, we were- like, we didn't pack up enough. And Isaac was like, where's the food? Like, it's Thanksgiving weekend. I was like, I don't know. You ate it all. <laughs> you ate it all. <laughs> you ate it all. It's in your belly, dude. Um, I want to say about the sandwich, something that I've done is um, I'm not huge on sand. Well, that's not exactly true. But anyway, like it's not a go-to to make a Thanksgiving sandwich, but I'll sometimes take leftover cranberry sauce and combine it with Dijon mustard and a tiny mm. bit of mayo and make cranberry mustard that then I keep on hand for like a week for various sandwiches. It doesn't just have to be leftover turkey sandwiches. That sounds so good. Somehow you saying that reminded me that turning things into like croquettes, croquettes. Oh, Brian yes. and I were having this great debate at dinner the other night, whether it's croquettes or croquettes. But anyways, essentially like a little pancake patty of like your leftover mashed potatoes. You add an egg to it and maybe like some parsley or green onion. And then you fry it in a little pan with a little oil and butter. And it's like the most delicious thing to eat underneath a fried egg for breakfast. Yummy, yummy. Yummy. You can do that with stuffing. 
Also, what else can you do it with? Sweet potato, even the classic like sweet potato casserole, you can do that with. Yeah. Or some or of you your can, leftover veggies. Yeah. Make fritters. You can it. Yes. Um, what about your pan, your like veggie pancakes we talked about yes, in a exactly. recent episode with like shaved Brussels sprouts or yep. cooked green beans or glazed carrots would be so good in there. Yep. Totally. Yes. I feel like that begs the the like idea of not a sheet pan meal necessarily with all your leftovers, although you could totally do that. And that would be a brilliant way to reheat everything at once with a little stock over it. But just doing veggie soups or veggie stir fries and mixing up all those flavors in a hot pan instead of like just doing plates of leftovers to kind of like microwave leftovers yes. to kind of freshen everything up. Do a little butter or oil in a hot pan and toss all of those things, chop all those things finely and then toss them all in that hot pan for like a bowl of Thanksgiving deliciousness. Yeah. And if you want to change the profile, if you have some like turkey leftover that wasn't doesn't have skin on it and no gravy you could also do a turkey stir fry there are a lot of all-purpose stir fry sauce recipes online that in general i don't like because i like if i'm making a stir fry usually has a specific combination of ingredients and flavor profile but they're actually excellent for this purpose to, I love like, that you're like, leftovers. you refer to these online recipes and then you're like, I don't like any of them. Well, I just, I, in general, like I wouldn't make of all the sauces that, and you know, we love sauces. We have yes. a whole episode on it. I don't ever make like all purpose stir fry sauce yeah. ahead and keep it. Cause I feel yeah. like every stir fry is a little different, you know? Yeah. Like with and beef, I like a little more ginger in my stir fry. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just never make an all purpose. But you know what you're just doing really now. really great for leftovers. You now we need to have a whole episode about stir fries. Oh, Stacey. we do actually. I think because that's been on our excellent. list for a long time. I think so. We Now we got to bump it up because you spent so much time talking about the sauce, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> all right. That might be all the time that we have today to talk about Thanksgiving leftovers, but you know that we are going to be in our listeners group with lots of questions and ideas this week. We hope that you've joined us there. If not, join for free at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community if you want those bonus episodes, those cozy recipes. Join our supporting community. You can also keep in touch with us on Instagram where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You or by signing up for our newsletter. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you get your podcasts. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And this is Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next time.